Welcome to the Leadership Window Podcast with Patrick Jinks. Each week, through a social sector lens, Patrick interviews leaders and experts and puts us in touch with trends and tips for leading effectively. Patrick is an LSI certified leadership coach, a member of the Forbes Coaches Council, a best-selling author, award-winning photographer, and professional speaker. And now, here's Patrick. Hello, leaders. Welcome to episode 35 of The Leadership Window. I'm Patrick Jinks, leadership and strategy coach and president of The Jinx Perspective. Our podcast is sponsored by Leadership Systems Incorporated, or LSI. And if you are interested in learning more about leadership coaching or uh, getting trained to be a better coach inside your organization or even become a professional coach yourself, these folks are the pros at training coaches. Led by a 30-year coach and trainer at the Center for Creative Leadership, Dr. Jim Smith, has uh, led LSI since 1992. And if you go to leadershipsystems.com, you can learn all about them. If you go to leadershipsystems.com slash jinx, J-I-N-K-S, you will see a very special page there offering some deep discounts on some of their coaching training and roundtables and things that they have exclusively for listeners of this podcast. So we appreciate LSI and our partnership there. I'm an adjunct leadership coach and trainer with LSI. And Dr. Jim Smith is on our advisory board at the Jinx Perspective. So a great partnership and relationship, and I hope you'll check them out. Um, Today is a solo episode. I've been wanting to do this, and I apologize to any of you who may have seen my uh, much shorter video version of this uh, that actually will be out a few days after this podcast, but depending on when you're listening to it, you might go, Oh, I already saw this video or you might watch the video and say, yeah, I heard the podcast. So the podcast is going to have a little bit more detail in it. And I'm going to call this episode motorcycles and the art of leadership. Now, if that sounds at all familiar, it might be because you are familiar with the book Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. So this is a little bit of a play on words of that. Uh, I'm just calling it Motorcycles and the Art of Leadership. Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, by the way, is a book I'd heard about, I think, all my life and never had read it. My son recommended it to me, said I would probably like it. I really, really did. It's one of my favorite books, and I highly recommend it. It's kind of odd. It's a, If you haven't ever read it, it's, it's part autobiography. It's written by uh, Robert Piersig. Uh, and back in the 1970s, and I think it's part autobiography, it's part metaphysics, it's part philosophy, part mental health commentary, and it actually has very little to do uh, with motorcycle maintenance. <laughs> it just happens to be uh, in the book as he tells his story. He's uh, riding across the country with his son on his motorcycle, and there's there are, is a lot of sort of true story and truth to Piercing's mental health issues in the book. And um, anyway, I won't say more about it. I just wanted to uh, sort of play on words and share with you some leadership tenets that I have learned or affirmed. And I love analogies and metaphors. So for those of you that do, maybe you'll appreciate this. And if you are a motorcycle rider, I think you'll really appreciate this. Even if you aren't, stay with me. I don't think you'll be bored. I think you'll, I think you'll get some interesting concepts out of this and you, and it may inspire you to ride a motorcycle or not, 
But anyway, let me uh, let me just say that about three years ago, for some out of nowhere, really, I just developed this craving for riding a motorcycle. I've never ridden when I was a kid. My brother let me ride his Suzuki 450, and um, I did actually okay with it uh, with him on the back until I pulled into a gas station and I I slid the bike on some gravel and dropped it and scratched it up pretty good and broke his mirror. And that was my riding experience. Uh, I think I might've ridden one other motorcycle up and down one street, uh, a little, a little, I don't know, Kawasaki 200 or something, little street bike that a friend just let me ride. Other than that, I had not ridden a motorcycle and I just started getting this craving for being out on the road. Just something started appealing about it, uh, appealing to me about it. The idea of just getting out on an open road on a motorcycle. I don't know what it is. can't explain it any better than that. I think that's just why people get into it. But so I, I started looking around at tons of YouTube videos and shopping around. And I ended up with uh, a motorcycle in a scooter's body. And it actually it technically was a scooter. It's a Suzuki Bergman 650. And it's what they call a maxi scooter or a touring scooter. It's a big scooter. And it's a 650 cc engine, which is akin to a lot of the you know cruisers that are out on the street today, a Kawasaki Vulcan or a you know Suzuki Boulevard, whatever. And so it had plenty of power, uh, plenty of ability to go travel on, ride around town. Didn't matter. It was really easy to ride because it was an automatic, and it gave me an opportunity to kind of learn the basics of getting a feel for a heavy motorcycle about about 650 pounds by the way and so after riding that for a while I decided yeah I do think I like this and I think I want to go ahead and upgrade and get like a full-size motorcycle motorcycle and I did not go in between I went all the way to the other side and bought uh really I guess I could say I bought this for myself for Christmas this past year I bought a Harley Davidson Electroglide Ultra Limited. And this thing is a 103 cubic inch engine. It is about 900 pounds in weight. It's the big touring Harley with the side, the hard side bags and the hard trunk on the back and a big passenger seat with, you know, armrests and such. And uh, I, for a while, I was intimidated by the idea of getting a big touring bike. What, what appealed to me about the motorcycle was the ability to go somewhere and travel, stay overnight, take some stuff with me. I don't know, just something romantic about being able to tour on a motorcycle. So, But on the other hand, when you sit on these things, if you've never sat on a, a big touring motorcycle and just even tried to pick it up off its kickstand, they are heavy. And you, you start thinking, man, could I handle this? Like in a parking lot, could I handle this at slow speeds? Once you get down the road, it's just like riding a bike. It's easy. The bike just balances itself. But in those slow turns and speeds and backing it up and parking and not, like this thing's heavy, I'm going to drop this thing all the time. So I was intimidated by it, which is a little bit, maybe the first analogy to leadership, the intimidation factor. Uh, but I'll talk a little bit about that later. Uh, I'm not, I'm actually not going to make it the first thing and bear with me, by the way, I'm kind of playing this, uh, episode this week off the cuff a little bit, 
But anyway, I so I soothed my cra- craving. I bought this thing with uh, like 12,000 miles on it. I've put about 6,000 miles on it already in about three months. So I'm riding this thing like crazy. And my wife will get on the back and ride with me. We took a drive yesterday out to a, a, a museum and just we we enjoy it. And now that spring has come and summer's coming, man, I'm going to really be putting miles on the thing. But as I learned more and more, and as I am learning more and more about how to be proficient on a motorcycle, I'm seeing a ton of leadership parallels. And so I just want to share some of them with you. That's really about it. And the first one I want to share with you is uh, I've talked about this before, the idea of leadership ambiguity. Um, And a better term, I think, is uh, leadership ambidexterity. And that's a term that I read uh, from Gary Uckel, who I've talked about recently on the show, uh, who, who talks about flexible leadership and the idea that you have to sort of pay attention to lots of things at once. It's just like golf, head down, elbow straight, you know, bend your knees slightly, the right grip on the, on the, you know, all the things you have to sort of think of at once. And until it becomes completely natural, it can be overwhelming. All the things you have to think about leadership is the same way. And in the concept of flexible leadership, for example, you've got to be able to manage the people relationships inside the organization. You have to manage the stakeholder relationships outside the organization. You have to be a good manager of systems and processes all at the same time. You have to be the long-term visionary and strategist while also uh, being able to see the detail and see the day-to-day and how things are aligning or not aligning to the bigger picture. This is really emphasized in riding a motorcycle and in riding a bike, particularly a big touring bike, one of the more difficult things to do is slow speed turns, especially U-turns. Because again, the bike is so heavy. And as soon as the bike gets slow enough where it doesn't have that momentum and that centrifugal force or whatever it is, it holds it up. It, the weight of it's just going to fall. It will drop. And once it, once it leans one way or the other past a certain point, you cannot save it. It's a 900 pound bike. You just can't save it. It's going to go down. And so when you're in a slow speed turn, you've got to avoid that. And there are really three things that you have to be able to do. One is clutch control. And you have to be able to kind of get that in-between marker in your clutch, not fully engaged, but not fully um, disengaged, kind of what they call the friction zone. So that's number one. Number two, you have to kind of put your foot on the rear brake just a little bit, apply a tad bit of pressure on the rear brake. And number three, probably the most important, is you have to turn your head and your eyes toward where you are ultimately wanting to go. You can't look at what's right in front of you. You have to look behind you or where you're turning. Those three things together have to happen to be able to make a slow speed turn on a motorcycle. Very similar to leadership. You have to be able to do multiple things simultaneously, actually at slow or fast speeds in your organization to be able to navigate the things you need to navigate. So a lot of leaders are really good at the political savvy, but they're, they miss the details or they ignore the people inside the organization or they don't have enough long-term vision or the ability to um, anticipate change. All of these things have to work together in leadership, just like on a motorcycle. 
here's the second thing. And this is, uh, this is actually very uh, similar to the first one, but a little more detail. The rule you learn when you're riding a motorcycle is that the bike will go where your eyes and head tell it to go. The bike will go where you are looking. So if you're riding down the road and you see a big pothole in the street coming up, if you stare at that pothole and tell yourself, don't hit it, don't hit it, don't hit it, guess what your bike will hit? It's going to happen every single time your bike will hit the pothole. If that's what you're looking at, if that's what you're fixated on, the bike will obey. It will take you right there. If on the other hand, you're looking ahead and you're letting your peripheral vision dictate a little bit more and you look at where you want to go to avoid the pothole, your bike will go there. And this is where the U-turn comes in. When you're U-turning on a motorcycle, you can't look at the front wheel and ask yourself, okay, is this, is, am I going to make it? Am I going to make the turn before I run out of road and ride into the ditch? Well, if you're looking at the ditch, the answer is no, you will not make the turn. (laughs) You will go into the ditch period 100% of the time. And it actually goes against all of your instincts to turn your head and your eyes all the way behind you and look at the point you want the bike to end up, even though it's not there yet. It is extremely difficult to do. If you have ridden a big motorcycle, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, you just have to trust me. When you're on one of these big things, you your tendency and your natural inclination is to look right in front of you and kind of watch the bike as it turns and make, you know, and and pay attention to the handlebars and what's right in front. You cannot do that. You will not make the turn. This is an area I'm actually still learning. I've got it now. I'm just not real comfortable trying to pull it off on some two lane highway when there's traffic behind me <laughs> or coming from the other direction. So I'm not a hundred percent comfortable with it yet. These are the kinds of things that the motorcycle cops spend, you know, months training on and get to where they can just do it in their sleep. It's like, it's like turning a tricycle. It's nothing to it. Uh, but it is intimidating and it's difficult to do. And the same applies in leadership. Our instincts tell us to look at what's happening right now. It's difficult to look in the future to a place where your organization hasn't arrived yet. It's difficult sometimes to, 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 you feel like you're getting ahead of yourself. You feel like you have to say grace over something that's right here, right now. And you do, but if you stay fixated on the right here, right now, you won't have a vision for the future and your organization will go where your head and your eyes tell it to. I just, I really, I, I hope you really grasp this one. Your organization will go where your eyes and head and heart tell it to. In other words, you got to have vision for the future. You can't just take this thing day to day. You'll never get anywhere. Here's the next one. Another motorcycle principle, see through the curve. Again, all these are in a related category here. See through the curve. So on a windy road, when you're taking a curve, by the way, number one reason for motorcycle accidents, failure to negotiate a curve. (laughs) Number one reason, failure to negotiate a curve has very little to do with getting hit on a motorcycle, although that happens. We're going to talk about that in a minute too. The number one reason motorcycles crash, failure to navigate a curve. Why is that? Well, it's because we look at 
the immediate spot in the curve. We don't see through the curve. You have to look ahead. You have to feel the curve in the bigger picture, not take the curve one foot at a time in measurement. So um, I don't know how to explain it any better than that. Um, you know, go to YouTube and 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 uh, search for see through the curve on a motorcycle, and they can explain it much better than I can. There is science behind it. Do you enter the curve on the high side or the low side? Do you uh, you know where what, where is your bike position in the lane? And that varies. That varies by traffic. It varies by the steepness of the curve. It varies by the size of the bike. Lots of things, lots of variations come into play. Just like leadership, there's not a one-size-fits-all. It's contextual. It depends on the steepness of the curve. In your organization, you have to see through the curve. you got to look past the here and the now, and you've got to anticipate the next several steps. Just like you're playing a game of chess. There's another analogy for you. In motorcycles, it's see through the curve. Same in leadership. So let me uh, let me go to the next sort of uh, place here, and that is on a motorcycle. You want to go the optimal speed, the optimal speed. You don't want to go too fast because that's not safe. <laughs> but you also don't want to go too slow because that can actually be unsafe as well. Again, especially on a really heavy motorcycle. And when you're at an intersection and you've got traffic behind you and traffic is heavy and you're, you're, you're nervous about putting it into first gear and not popping the clutch and dying in the middle of an interstate and talk about being vulnerable. Uh, I mean, in the middle of an intersection, talk about being vulnerable on a motorcycle. You die out in the middle of an intersection. It's not fun. Yes, I've done it. Um, you, and I've done it like maybe twice and now I don't do it anymore. I've completely gotten past that and figured that out. And most of it had to do with just second guessing myself and not being confident and not just doing it. You know, the, the reluctance, you can't hesitate. You got to go when you're taking off in an intersection, you got to be able to go and you got to be able to make a turn immediately. If you're turning left or right out of an intersection, you've really got to have control and confidence in the clutch and in the turning of the bike. The same applies in leadership. You've got to go the optimal speed. If you go too fast, you leave people behind. You miss critical details. You might even miss opportunity. And you can crash. If you go too slow, you can have people lose patience with you. Your organization can become stagnant and actually die because it doesn't have forward momentum. Just like your motorcycle can die in an intersection. Which leads to another point. When you're carrying a passenger on the back, you can't take as many risks. And you, it, it actually takes a little more effort. Uh, m- my wife, my son, my daughter, I've, I, others, I've had, I've had people on the back of the motorcycle. And there is a big difference. The center of gravity changes. It gets higher. There's more weight. It's shifted on the bike toward the rear. Making those slow turns, those U-turns, parking, uh, braking with your front brake, now, now it, all of those things are significantly more challenging with a passenger. And it's just the added weight and the distribution of the weight. Leadership is the same way. When you're going by yourself, you can go fast. You can take risks. It, it's just your own, it's your own business. It's your own thing. Go do it. Go, you know, knock yourself out. But when you are leading other people who are on the team who are going with you and they're making this journey with you, you got to be careful with the risks you take. 
And you have to go be careful with the speed you're going. And you have to understand that with more people, there's a little more weight. Now, what that means is you can actually create more momentum with a team. Just like you can in a big 18-wheeler. Just think about braking distance, for example. The more weight you have if you're going 100 miles an hour, the longer it's going to take you to stop the vehicle. The same with leadership. The more weight you're carrying, you have a lot of momentum. You want to leverage that momentum, not have that momentum threaten you or derail you. There's another analogy. (laughs) So when you're carrying a passenger, you can't take as many risks. We've talked about on this show, talked about it with Charles Weathers, Ron Harvey, and others about the fact that when you're alone, you can go fast. You can take a lot of risks. When you're stewarding a team or an organization, you have to manage that a little bit differently. Here's the next one. Leadership lessons from a motorcycle. Train your technique. Practice, practice, practice. Here's what you'll learn about uh, riding a motorcycle. Only hours on the bike and miles put behind you will increase your competence. You can watch all the YouTube channels you want. And I have watched a bunch of YouTube videos on riding tips. You can read, you can take the courses, you can take the tests, you can talk about it, think about it, dream about it. I've done all those things. None of those things improve your proficiency the way getting on the bike and riding it will improve your proficiency. It's just miles. It's just putting miles behind you. And I'm I'm definitely experiencing, you, you can watch the learning curve, you can feel the learning curve in becoming proficient again, just like anything else, golf, uh, you know, I cooking any, you name it, any, any skill, pick a skill miles and hours. Same with leadership. You got to do it. You just have to do it. You have to get out there and do it. And sometimes you don't always know exactly how it's going to turn out, but only the miles and the, the practice will increase your competence. And you need to remember that about your people, the leaders you're trying to develop. Only hours and miles will increase their competence. So delegate that opportunity to them. Here's the next one. This is a really, really important one. On a motorcycle, expect the unexpected. And the best descriptor I can give you for that is that when when I'm out on the road and someone is waiting in a driveway or an intersection to pull out into the road, I have learned to expect that they will pull out in front of me. I've learned to expect that they will not see me. And as I have expected that, it has surely happened several times. I don't know what it is. This bike is big. It's got three lights in the front. It's got blinking brake lights. It's white and metallic blue. It, it, I'm where I'm on it. I'm wearing a hell like, how do you not see me? I'm a 900 pound appliance coming down the road, but they don't. Many of them just don't see you. And so you learn about putting yourself in the place where you are the most visible to others and where you can see more of them. 
So that's all about lane positioning and where you put yourself on the bike. Same in leadership. You got to put yourself in a place where people will see you, but where you can also see them. And you have to expect the unexpected. By expecting, by watching this guy or this woman in an intersection and knowing they're going to pull out, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. Plan your escape. I've planned those escapes and I have used them. And they, and I have every time I've gone, wow, I'm so glad I expected that because sure enough, it happened. So expect the unexpected. That's going to happen in leadership. It's going to happen in your organization. We didn't expect COVID. And I think one of the things we might have learned as organizations is we need to expect the unexpected a little bit better. We need to prepare for it. We need to have contingencies for it. And we need to be able to adapt and react quickly in a positive direction. Here's the next one. While you want to expect the unexpected, and I've told you all these things about how heavy a touring bike is, et cetera, et cetera, you also can't fear the bike. If you're afraid of it, don't get out on the road. Go to a parking lot. Go to the community college's motorcycle course, their their two-day basic course, And if you're going to drop a motorcycle, drop it in a parking lot where there's no harm, no foul. Um, We'll talk about dropping the bike in a minute, a little bit more, but you can't fear. If you're afraid of it, you can't just get out on the interstate scared to death or worse yet in traffic. The interstate's actually one of the safer places. It's in that city traffic where, where things can get difficult. So if you're afraid of it, don't go out there. Um, you can't, you can't be afraid of the bike and you can't be afraid of riding the bike. So get to a place where you're proficient enough to say, yeah, I got this same with leadership. You can't be afraid of it. Uh, I've coached a lot of leaders who are afraid to lead. They're afraid that asserting their leadership at this point is going to backfire on them or that people are going to think they're too aggressive or that people, you know, that it's not, it's not going to work. They fear the failure. You can't fear leadership and go out and lead next know your limits (laughs) now i've seen on some of the videos and people even some of the people that i've ridden with recently who are very experienced riders they have no problem uh taking you know making a u-turn on a narrow street or even riding into gravel or down a dirt road a dirt driveway uh on my harley i'm not i'm not wanting to go down a dirt driveway. I'm not comfortable in gravel and I'm not real comfortable with really narrow U-turns. Not yet. I'd like to get to all those comfort levels. Um, you know, there's a, there's a guy I follow on YouTube. Uh, he call, he goes by Motorman, but his name is, uh, Jerry Palladino, I think is his name. And he's a former motorcycle cop and he, now he trains civilians on the techniques that, he learned as a motorcycle cop on riding the big touring bikes. And he's really a lot of fun, but he'll say, so you went to, you went to the two day uh, community college uh, motorcycle course and you pass that basic lesson. And what do you do? You go out and buy a 900 pound bike. Like you don't know your limits. (laughs) And then, and then you want to go ride the dragon's tail up in North Carolina and Tennessee. No, that you, that's not where you start. You don't you don't just run out and ride the dragon's tail or the devil's whip or any of these other really aggressive, you know, 300 curves and 10 miles kind of pathways. Know your limits. 
you can extend your limits. You can stretch them, but do it over time. Don't just dive out there and try something that you completely don't have the experience or the competence for. Same in leadership. Know your limits. Know where you are. And then if you feel too limited, then expand your limits by developing, training, practicing, growing, not by getting out there where you don't belong. Uh, I'm coming to a close here. Let me, let me get to this, uh, this last one here. A couple, a couple more. Um, you will drop a 900 pound bike. You will drop it. I don't even care how experienced you are. I was with a rider the other day. that has been riding for many years. He's got the same bike I have. And he was, I heard him in a conversation talking about dropping it that morning in his driveway. Just, yeah, just, you know, I was backing up and I had the wheel turned and I hit my front brake and the bike went down. Uh, so this is why these big bikes have crash bars. I've dropped mine now three or four times just since, since Christmas. And fortunately these are all slow drops by dropping. I mean, like you're, you're virtually stopped, um, or, or you're just, you, you barely move. And if that right wheel is turned, when you hit your front brake, you just, it just, it dives and it, it transfers weight so fast that you can't catch it in time. And so the bike falls over. It doesn't hurt. Um, and it doesn't really hurt the bike because you have these crash bars. They build these crash bars on there that protect all the plastic and all the, the engine parts. And, and, um, you know, you're, you're really pretty safe in dropping it. Same in leadership, have crash bars, make sure your board and staff have your back. Make sure that you're creating a culture where people aren't afraid to make mistakes, a culture that has some crash bars. One of the top reasons leaders don't delegate is because they're afraid to let somebody leave because they don't want them to crash. You gotta, you gotta have crash bars in your organization. There has to be room for failure. I, you know, I, I know the whole Apollo 13 line failure is not an option. Um, that was contextual and it made sense in the moment. But failure is not only an option, it's inevitable. <laughs> you just, teams and people in organizations are going to fail. And you've got to have that ability to fail and learn from it. Now, if you're failing repeatedly and failure is just a pattern and you just don't have competence, well, then you've got some things you need to do to make those adjustments. But the, the ability to fail has to be something that's there. And that's what we call the crash bars because you're going to drop a 900 pound bike and you're going to make some mistakes in leadership. And so are your people. They're going to make some mistakes. Um, so don't be afraid to make the mistakes and look and find out where your organization has or doesn't have crash bars. And the last one is have fun in leadership. Um, you know, the whole, the whole point about a motorcycle, if it's just work and it's, it's intimidating and it's frustrating and well then don't, don't ride, you know, when you're out there, it, the whole point is to have fun when you're leading, have fun. And here's what I've said. Actually, this has come up in conversation with some, a number of my coaches in the past several weeks. Um, I'll have someone say, you know, I'm just not having fun anymore. I'm not having fun anymore in my job. It's just not fun anymore. And what I want to help them arrive at is, are they at a place where they're just not having fun for the moment? Because that's going to happen. I mean, everything we do isn't fun in leadership in running an organization or leading a team. 
So you're not having fun 100% of the time. So it's one thing to say, I'm not having fun right now, or this project isn't fun, or this challenge we're facing isn't fun. That's fair. It's a different thing to say, there's no longer any fun for me here. Hear the difference in that? There's no longer any fun for me here. I've lost, I've lost the fulfillment, the fun, the, the energy, the inspiration. I just, I don't have the vision anymore. It's just not fun anymore. When it gets to that point, it's time to make a change. It is definitely time to make a change, but you don't want to prematurely make that change just because you're not having fun right now. Everything we do isn't fun. Back to the book for a second as we wrap up this episode. Speaking of failure, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance was rejected 126 times before a publisher finally picked it up. It was on the bestseller list for decades. It sold over 5 million copies. It's one of the most popular books ever written. And it was rejected 126 times before a publisher picked it up. How many rejections, how many failures, how many shortcomings, trip ups, obstacles, glitches, detours have to happen before you give up? Don't give up on your leadership. Don't give up on your people. Don't give up on your mission. It's not always yes. It's not always a great, huge success. Give yourself that time. Put in the work. Put in the hours and the miles. Have fun. Lead on. <laughs>